session with Dr. Farid Polaku. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Rulakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Rulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. Wanted to make another announcement for the seminars I'll be doing in Atlanta next month, August 10th and 12th. So if you're in the Atlanta area, I'd be happy to see you there at the Persian Cultural Center of Atlanta. Uh, I've put a flyer on my website or on my uh, social media. If you want to get tickets, they're available at www.kanoon.info, K-A-N-O-O-N. On Friday, August 10th, I'll be doing a seminar from 7 to 10 p.m. on dating and relationships. And then uh, on Sunday, I'll be doing two seminars at 2 to, uh, from 2 to 5 p.m., success and 6 to 9 p.m. self-esteem and self-love. Those are Sunday, August 12th. Hope to see you there next month in Atlanta. All right, before I talk about the book from this past week, the book of the week for next week that I'll talk about on next Monday's show is Divine Balance by Mitra Avari. Uh, Divine Balance, and this is actually a book of fiction. Most of the books um, I've talked about have been nonfiction, but this is a book written by a psychologist, and I have not read it myself, but I'm very excited to read the book, and I am happy to announce that I'll be joined by the author, Dr. Mitra Avari, next Monday on the show, where she'll talk about the book and uh, other things, so I'm very lucky to be having the author on the show next week. So that is Divine Balance. You can find it on uh, Amazon. And hope you'll read it with me and be ready for the discussion next week on Monday night. All right, but the book for this week that I'll talk about tonight is The Mask of Masculinity by Lewis Howes. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, H-O-W-E-S. The Mask of Masculinity. How men can embrace vulnerability, create strong relationships, and live their fullest lives. And this is a topic anyone who's heard me on the show, you know, I've talked a lot about this issue of masculinity and the way we define masculinity and what it means to be a man and how I think it harms both men and women and just society in general. And that the gender norms and the gender roles that we prescribe and say that a man can do this and can't do this and a woman can do these things and can't do these other things cause so much harm. And this book is exactly about that and i think he does a great job first of all just writing a book about this very important issue this issue of masculinity and as he calls it the mask of masculinity and really he talks about nine different masks which i'll get into Um, but the ways that men wear this mask of 
trying to look like a man or be a man because we're really told from a very young age this is what a man does and these are uh, what a man does not do or these are ways to look like a man even if i say this phrase hey be a man a lot of things probably come to your mind of what that means things like being tough not showing weakness definitely not crying uh, or saying you have any problems uh, and other such things that we associate with that but he says that he has uh, looked at masculinity talked to a bunch of different people and he identifies nine different masks which um, definitely overlap and maybe some same person might wear more than one or even all of them and different ones at different times but he identifies nine different masks of masculinity and i'll talk a bit about each one so the first one he discusses is the stoic mask and this is basically being stoic meaning having no feelings and especially not having feelings like crying or being sad because we think of those things as not manly and they would definitely challenge or question your masculinity or who you are as a man if you were to be seen crying but of course as any human beings men have all emotions too including sadness and when they are not allowed to be in touch with their sadness they of course pay the price and they're much more likely to turn to things like drugs or alcohol to deal with their feelings but also um, possibly even commit suicide because it's better to uh, do that than to even admit their pain unfortunately uh, and worse than that or i shouldn't say worse than that different than that another thing that happens is they'll turn their sadness into anger and this is what we so often see in relationships where men will get angry because uh, i always find this a bit funny that we say men are not supposed to be emotional but they're allowed to be angry even though anger is definitely an emotion but they become angry with even the people around them people that they love because they have a hard time expressing sadness or being vulnerable um, and as I'll, I'll go through each of the masks but he also has a bit about what men can do now and what i thought was interesting is that for each mask he also has a little section about what women can do for the men in their life which i think is important and he mentions at the beginning of the book that this book yes it is directed towards men and he's not saying that men have it harder than women in society but that this book is about men and it's coming from his own experience and he does share a lot about his self himself throughout the book which i think adds to it but so this book is about men um but it definitely is something that women would get a lot out of if you are thinking about reading the book but like all of these types of issues it's very easy to just blame men okay oh men they care too much about looking masculine and that's their fault but that's not the whole picture all of society plays a part in that both men and women and because the problem is created by both men and women in all of society the solution is also going to come from men and women working together even uh something like this is going to be a men a male and a female issue just like women's rights is a man and a woman's issue too it's about human rights so uh, he has a section for what men can do themselves to try to deal with this mask if they're struggling with it but also uh, what women can do for the men in their life and essentially uh, i'll go through the other masks but i wanted to also add i like this idea of the mask because what it means is this is something 
that we're putting on ourselves, acting a certain way, pretending to be a certain way. That is not who we really are. And if we remove that mask, we show what's really there underneath. Um, and as he puts it, the people in your life are waiting to see who is behind that mask. They want to see the real you, the true you, not this mask you've put on because you think you have to, because you think that's what you need to do to look like a man, to be loved, to be attractive, and whatever else you might be thinking. So that first mask he talks about is the stoic mask. The second one he has is the athlete mask that a way a man can try to prove himself and how manly he is, is to dominate in sports um, and to prove themselves and keep pushing themselves and beating other people if they can. And actually, as he puts it, even if they can't be good at sports themselves, then they have to know everything about sports. At least that's another way that they can do it. And the author, Lewis Howes himself, was an athlete, an All-American athlete. I think it was both in track and field, but also he even played in the NFL uh, playing football until an injury ended his career there. But he himself shares that he experienced wearing that athlete mask. So that's the second one he talks about. The third one is the material mask, that a man shows his worth by how much money he has and the nice cars and the nice house and all of those things. That's a sign of his worth. And a line he uses, which I've uh, heard before and used before too, and I really like is he says, a man's net worth becomes his self-worth. So I'm worth as much money as I have. So of course I have to make a lot of money, no matter what it takes to make that money. And also what's the money worth if I don't show it off, make sure everyone knows how much money I have. So many men hide behind this idea of making a lot of money and showing how much they have, or even if they don't have it, make sure other people think you have a lot of money because that's going to make you appear masculine. The fourth mask he describes is the sexual mask and that a man is measured by the number of women he has been with sexually, that this is a sign of masculinity. And even to have feelings for a, a woman is a sign of weakness because that's for lesser men. A real man is going to be with multiple women, can't be tied down by one woman. And you hear men talk like this before, that a, the strength of a man is in how many women he is with and that he has to continue to be with and he can't be limited. But as I've often talked about, very often trying to be with multiple women, even if you're married, let's say, is not a sign of strength or how much of a man you are. It's actually showing how weak you are and how afraid you are to be close and intimate with one person, to give yourself completely to one person and create the possibility that you can be hurt by them, you can be rejected by them. But it's a lot safer to keep yourself connected to many people at the same time so you don't have to risk being hurt. Um, so the sexual mask is one that many men hide behind to feel like they're very manly but actually not facing what's underneath. And all of the masks, as he describes throughout the book, are coming from a place of insecurity, trying to cover up something with this mask, appearing strong because underneath we feel weak. And that's definitely the case of the next mask, which is the aggressive mask, uh, that it's manly to be aggressive, to even put others down or make people be afraid of you. That's a sign of strength. And unfortunately, people who wear this aggressive mask, it's not that they'll just do it in the boardroom or at work. They'll usually use it with family and even in romantic relationships, which is really a problem. So they think that you have to be 
aggressive. You have to even put others down. It's my way or the highway in order to be a man. The next one he talked about is an interesting one, the Joker mask. Uh, And he talks about Robin Williams and how shocked and heartbroken many of us were when he died and how surprising it was because people thought, well, he's always making people laugh and being so funny. How could he have been so sad or been depressed? And as he talks about it in this book, very often comedians or people that you don't have to be a a famous comedian, you might just be doing it in your own life, that are constantly joking and trying to make everyone laugh. It's coming from a place of pain and sadness. Sometimes they feel so sad and they want to make everyone else happy. Or they're trying to cover up their own sadness. I don't want you to know how sad I am. So I'm going to always make jokes and make things light to get away from that. Not only that, people often use jokes as a passive-aggressive way to express anger. So people use uh, cynicism and sarcasm to express their anger towards other people in a way that seems maybe more safe Um, and they can get away with it, but underneath that, there is a lot of anger. So I thought that was a very interesting segment that he put in there, that it didn't come to me originally as part of the masculine mask or one of the masculine masks, but he included that in there, um, this idea that you always have to make people laugh and have a joke ready and to be witty to be a man. Um, But I think it's often a sign of trying to hide your own pain, the sadness that you have. The next one he talks about is the invincible mask and that a real man has no fears. They'll take risks. They're not afraid of anything and they're never hurt or injured. You're never in pain. And if pain is not something you feel, or if you feel it, you don't care. You just keep going or you can even smoke and drink more than anyone else because nothing happens to you. And he shares stories of people who maybe felt invincible at one point in their life but realized that wasn't the case and as they got older saw that that was never true but no one is invincible but sometimes we think that in order to be a man you have to be that way the eighth mask he talks about is the know-it-all mask and that's that you should always have the right answers you know everything you want to prove to others that you know more than them and even you'll be ready to put them down and you never say i don't know So even if you don't know, you make something up. And even if someone proves you wrong or shows you that maybe you made a mistake, you somehow make them feel that they were wrong or say you heard me wrong or there's another way that I was thinking about it. But that as a man, you should always know and always have the answers. But of course, that's not the case. No one knows. And when you do that, you push people away from you because they don't want to be close to someone who's constantly telling them they know better than you because that comes with a condescending tone as well. And the last mask, which in a way is an encompassing one, is the alpha mask, that you have to either be an alpha or a beta and a winner or a loser. And so you have to dominate and always win and put other people down in order to make it clear that you're a man whether that's other men or with a woman, you have to make sure you overpower everyone and you have to be the alpha. And I'm hearing a lot of people talking about this um, in different forums, men's forums and things. This is coming up and I was talking to someone today who mentioned that, but this idea of being an alpha is so big. And all of these are masks. They're not about being a genuine person. There's nothing wrong with being knowledgeable. There's nothing wrong with being funny. There's nothing wrong with being strong or... Um, having elements of some of these masks. But when they become a mask is when it's not genuinely who you are and you're putting on this mask to act in a way that makes you think 
this is the only way I can be loved if I act in this way. If I become this, then I'll be lovable, I'll be attractive, I can get a woman, I can get approval, I can get validation, or else I'm nothing. And he goes uh, through all those masks and looking at how people tend to wear them. And interestingly, he even interviews people and sometimes in interviewing them, he talks about how it looks like that person still is wearing the mask, which I thought was interesting. He uh, includes that. but And he gives some pointers on how we can try to remove those masks and recognize that we can find our genuine self and that no one is any of these things. It's just a caricature of a man. It's not real. And that we all hurt the men, the women in their lives and everyone that they interact with when they try to wear these masks and we have to take risks to remove those masks and reveal who we truly are and we'll likely see that we will love ourselves more and the people around us will love ourselves more and our relationships will be all the better because of it so i did enjoy reading this book and i'll actually continue talking about it after the break the mask of masculinity by lewis Howes, and again the book of the week for next week is divine balance by mitra avari all right Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delacqui. Before the break, I was talking about the book, The Mask of Masculinity by Lewis Howes, um, and the different masks that he describes that men wear to try to appear masculine or what they think a man should be like and the messages they receive from a very young age of how they have to be and also what they can't be in order to be a man. And when a lot of people hear about a book like this or someone talking about masculinity and challenging the notions of masculinity or toxic masculinity or saying that men can and need to become more sensitive or more in touch with let's say their feminine side or more well-rounded you get a lot of backlash and a lot of reaction from people who get upset and they'll say things like we're just you're just trying to make men become like women or you're just trying to attack men for being who they are or how they're supposed to be and, and people get very upset and they think it's going to be very extreme and that we're saying that men should be women and women should be men and there's that's it we shouldn't allow people to be anything else. And that's not what this book I felt was saying and definitely not what I believe. What I am in favor of is for people having the freedom and the flexibility to be who they are. And not only be who they are, because that's not one monolithic type of a thing, because all of us are multifaceted individuals. We all do have a masculine and feminine side. And even how we describe that or define that will change over time. So I even think we have to be careful when we use those words, but we all have various aspects of who we are. And we do best when, first of all, we are allowed to express those different parts of ourself at different times and different situations. And we feel accepted for being whoever that we are, whether you're male or female and you're expressing what are considered masculine or feminine traits, it should be okay. And we need to have both of those elements. Yes, if you're a firefighter and you're about to go fight a fire and you uh, have to face some fear, you might have to wear even some of these masks or you might be more in touch with that masculine side. But then if that same firefighter comes home and has to be with his wife and children, 
we would hope that he has the flexibility to then be more tender and more loving, that he can have that side as well. So it's not about making him a woman or making him lose that part of him that maybe gives him strength or actually helps him in certain aspects of his career and what he's doing, but it's allowing him to be more flexible. So if you're playing with a baby and you can only be a tough guy and be a very masculine person, you're not going to do very well because it's going to require you in order to interact well with a baby or a child to be able to tap into other aspects of yourself, a more soft side, a more loving side. That's what's needed from you. Um, and so what we want is for people to have that freedom and flexibility. And because these issues and these messages that we get about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman are taught from us in, at such a young age, and they're so pervasive in society and culture, most people don't even realize that they're not in touch with certain aspects of themselves. They think, no, this is just who I am. I'm being how I want to be. I've even heard, you know, people say, or like a meme you might see online of guys saying, I'd show my feminine side if I had one, meaning I'm just like pure masculinity again, which is very much in line with the message of this book. They're trying to show how tough you are and how macho you are. I don't even have those parts of myself, but absolutely we all do. And the more we're out of touch with them and the less we express them, the less healthy we can be. In order to be in a romantic relationship, a man needs to be able to express vulnerability, express their feelings, express sadness, not always appear invincible or stoic. They have to be able to express that side of them as well. And it doesn't mean in other times they can't express what they feel is their masculine side, but what we're looking for is freedom and flexibility, that we all have the freedom to be whoever we are and however we want to be and the flexibility to express that at different moments. And so each of us should think about that for ourselves. How restricted am I? What type of image do I maybe want to give off about myself? And even for the men, you might want to think about those nine masks I talked about and which ones you might at times be wearing. Um, even as I was reading the book, I could see myself that I wear some of those masks. For example, the Joker mask. Is something that throughout my life at different times I know I've expressed or I've worn to try to always be funny or make a joke. And then you really think about, okay, well, the why. So we're not just talking about figure out what you're doing. That's a great first start, but you want to try to understand why might you be wearing that mask? What are you trying to cover up or how are you trying to appear? If it's the material mask for you, why is it important for you to make sure you come off a certain way that people think you're wealthy and you have a lot of money. Uh, we know in the Persian culture, maybe more than just men wear the material mask. We're very much trying to show off our wealth or make sure people know we have that value because we know that maybe people will look at us differently. So you want to look at which masks you're wearing. Or for me also, I think the know-it-all mask. Maybe I was thinking, you know, there's times where I, I can be wearing that mask too. I try to be open to other people's opinions and thoughts and try not to be closed-minded, but maybe at times I can wear that mask. So we want to look at what masks we might be wearing. And um, for women, maybe there's other masks that they wear, and some women might be wearing some of these masks at time. But we want to look at who it is we're trying to be. And then after that, why am I trying to look that way? And the main reason we wear masks overall 
no matter what they are, no matter who you are, is because we're afraid that who we are underneath, who we genuinely are, is not lovable, is not okay. If I'm just me, something is missing. I need to wear this mask in order to be enough, in order to be loved, accepted, be successful. Whatever it is that we think we're trying to achieve or we want, we think that we are not enough at our core. So we wear these masks in order to become what we think society wants us to become or what is acceptable or lovable. Interestingly, as I was reading this book, another thought came to my mind that what's also safer at times about wearing a mask, well, sometimes we say, if you wear a mask, then you don't know if someone truly loves you because if they love you, you don't know if they're loving you or the mask. Or if they knew the real you, you don't know if they would love you. And sometimes you doubt that that would be true. And that's a very important point. It's something that's important to note. But I also think it's interesting to think of it in another way too, that sometimes maybe we wear the masks because even if that gets rejected, we can say, well, that wasn't really me. There's something a little bit safer about wearing a mask and allowing the mask to get rejected than to actually put ourselves fully on the line. And this is where being vulnerable and being really open and genuine is scary and can feel like a risk. There really is something scary there. Uh, so I thought that was something that came to me as, as I was reading the book, that there's something safer about wearing a mask. But of course, we all lose when we wear the mask. People don't get to see the real you and love you, and you don't get to really get loved for who you are. And you'll never fully feel that feeling of being loved for who you are. But I do want to share this story. Anytime I'm thinking about masks, I think of this story of this boy who inherited a statue from his, it's a kind of an allegory. It's not a true story. Maybe it's based on some true story, but nonetheless, he inherited this statue from his grandfather and it was kind of an old looking thing and had all this stuff stuck to it. And he didn't like how it looked, but in order to make it look nicer, he thought, you know what, I'm going to stick this like gold kind of stickers on the outside to make it look like it's solid gold. So he did that. He put gold all over the statue to make it um, look golden. And people would say, wow, you have a golden statue. And they would think it was cool and they'd admire it. But of course, he felt not very good about that because he would say, well, I know they're giving me attention and it feels good in the moment, but I know that the statue, this is the fake gold I've put on it. So anyway, time goes on and he kind of forgets about the statue and the, the things he had put on the gold come off. And then over time, he sees that the, the white that was on the statue, it starts to fade away and he sees there's kind of like a yellow underneath. And then he looks that, and he sees that if he starts rubbing off what's on there, he sees that there's gold underneath what was white covering the statue or what he thought was the statue. And he rubs it all off and he sees that what he actually had was a solid gold statue the whole time. It was actually pure gold. And the way we can relate this to ourselves is we look at ourselves and we think, oh, I'm not that great. And so because I'm not that great, I have to stick these things, these masks, if we're using the language of the book, but these things on myself to look good, to look lovable, to appear worthwhile, to have a lot of worth for people. So I'm going to act certain ways that aren't me. I'm going to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. I'm going to say I'm happy when I'm sad. I'm going to act a certain way, even though I don't feel like it. 
and we think this is going to make us look good. But that's just like sticking these gold stickers on ourselves. What we hopefully can realize is that what's actually underneath, what's actually there to begin with, is much more beautiful and valuable than anything we could try to stick on or pretend to be. Each one of us is essentially solid gold within ourselves, and we have to let that part of ourselves shine and come out. And it's more beautiful and more valuable than anything you can try to create or anything you try to pretend to be, or if you're a parent, anything you try to make your kids become, who they already are is worth more and more beautiful than anything you could try to create or pretend or try to make them to be. So always remember that who you are yourself is worth more than anything you could pretend to be. Letting someone genuinely see you is going to be more valuable than anything you can act or uh, pretend is going on for you or that you're feeling. And we are all beautiful within. We have to just let that out. So whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're trying to look manly or look feminine or act like you're this or act like you're that, remember that who you are deep down is more beautiful than anything you try to be. And don't let your family, society, or some other person tell you that you should be someone else or become someone else. Love who you are deep down and let others see that and love that too. All right, going into our last commercial break, studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Jalakwi. We'll be right back. back before the break i was talking about or continuing the discussion on the book the mask of masculinity by lewis house and he talks about different masks that men wear to appear manly to look what we think it means to be masculine to get attention validation be attractive and all those types of things and in the segment after that i was talking about how we all deserve the right to be free and flexible in how we express who we are because we're all multifaceted individuals who have different sides and life is going to ask of us to be different or to show different sides of us in different moments sometimes you might have to hold it all together for a moment to take care of something at other moments it's going to be important for you to be able to be vulnerable and emotional and express who you are whether you're male or female doesn't make a difference we need to have that and when you talk about people being themselves and loving themselves. Um, people have a reaction to that too. I was talking about before the break or in the previous segment, how oftentimes people think, well, don't tell men to just be women. That's what they think we're doing when you say, don't uh, continue the toxic masculinity. Don't be this way or feel like you have to be this way. And so when I talk about love yourself, accept yourself, it sounds very, you know, kumbaya and, and hippie and things like that. And people think it's silly and stupid and also they're afraid it's going to make people become weak and lazy and think well if you're special just as you are then you don't have to do anything and we're going to make a bunch of uh, a society full of wimps and i talked about this last week as i was talking about uh, the mr rogers documentary won't you be my neighbor how um, people sometimes will say well if you tell kids they're special from a young age then they're going to just become lazy and uh or feel like they're special and entitled and so when i talk about people loving themselves and embracing who they are expressing who they are um, first and foremost 
we have to recognize how important this is. Throughout history, different groups of people have been told that they're not okay as they are. A very big one is the LGBTQ community. And we've made huge strides in accepting the, this group. And I even feel sometimes weird saying group because they are just human beings. So it's, I don't want to make it a us and them, but they have def definitely been treated like a them for so long. That is still important to mention that. And that's why we still have things like Pride Month, which was in June. And I talk about how I sometimes look forward to the day where we won't need things like Pride Month or uh, Black History Month or a Women's Day or Women's Month because we won't have any need for it anymore. We'll still appreciate and love everyone, but there won't be that need because we'll have achieved what we need to achieve. But when we look at the LGBTQ community, people have been even killed, but on lesser levels, persecuted, discriminated against for being who they were, for being born a particular way. And it's very unfortunate, but that's what's been happening and continues to happen to this day, even in a country like the United States, but in countries around the world. And so it's so important for us to recognize the effects this has. First of all, the discrimination and the prejudice and um, even the violence and the bullying that happens is all horrible. And even when we take that to a bigger extreme, people who are treated that way have higher rates of suicide. That's why we see a higher rate of suicide for people who are LGBTQ because they're not fully accepted or they don't feel accepted. They get messages all the time that they are not okay, that they shouldn't be the way they are, that what they do is immoral or that God doesn't love them or um, they can't get married or they can't do this or they can't do that. And this has a message that you're not accepted. You're not okay the way that you are. And sometimes when people feel that way, they go to extreme lengths of taking their own life. They'd almost rather not be here than to be something they think is unacceptable. And this is really a shame. So when I talk about loving and accepting ourselves and loving and accepting everyone as they are, this is what I'm talking about as a basic human right, that everyone is worthy of being loved for who they are. Whatever it is, if you're a man attracted to a man, a woman attracted to a woman, if you were born male but feel that you're female, uh, whatever it might be, if you were born male but you want to express more what we consider feminine traits, that's who you are, even if you still consider yourself a man. There is, we try to put people in categories, and then we also try to say certain categories are right and certain ones are very wrong, but people are much more complex than that. I've never met a man that was only male and had no, or was only a man as far as gender. They're always going to be flexible. They're going to have more than that. And same with female. But we want to give people the space and the room to be who they are. So when I talk about accepting everyone as they are, it's said as a basic human right, everyone is worthy to be loved and accepted who they are the way that they were born. And if we don't do that, people bully and hurt and cause so much pain and even want to kill themselves to not be that. So that's what that part is. Now, the other part of, well, if we tell everyone they're special and they're, they should love themselves the way they are, they feel entitled. And first of all, yes, everyone is entitled to human rights, which I was just talking about. But that doesn't mean that you're entitled to just live a life where you don't have to do anything and everything is taken care of for you. First of all, I think this misses what I think people really are like or humans and the human condition, which is that we actually do all strive to do something. People in their best uh, circumstances don't become people who do nothing. 
They feel better being productive, contributing to society, expressing their gifts and their talents and their abilities. People aren't happy to do nothing. But people think that if you tell them they're loved and accepted, that they won't, they think that's it. They don't need to do anything to gain that. But people want to be good not to gain love and acceptance, but because they want best for themselves. So I like to use an analogy of it's better to chase a dream than to run away from a nightmare. And so when we tell people they have no value, that you're worthless unless you achieve, then they're running away from a nightmare. I have to do something. I have to be perfect. I have to achieve. I have to be successful. I have to make money in order for people to love me. And if I don't, then I'm nothing. I'm worthless. I'm unlovable. I'm a loser. And I have to make sure I'm not any of those things. So I have to run away from that. And when you do that, you never even feel happy. All you feel is momentary relief. Okay, at least today I was still lovable or I didn't get to that unlovable place. But when you tell people they already have value, and if you tell that to yourself and if you make your children feel that way, then they will love themselves and feel accepted and they won't live with that fear and anxiety of not being good enough, not being loved. But because they love themselves and if you further teach them about being good and what good things mean as far as doing good things, that working hard is good if it's in the right way, helping others is good, then they'll strive to be good for themselves and for the world. They'll want to be good citizens. They'll want to be the best for themselves. They'll want to achieve because it'll feel good for them to achieve. We don't just achieve to avoid being a failure, being a loser, being worthless. We achieve because that feels good for us. It feels good to be the best that we can be for ourselves. And when I genuinely love myself and accept myself as I am, then I'm going to want to do what's best for me, work hard in the right ways, accomplish what I can to become the best version of myself. Sometimes people think about acceptance in the way of resignation. And what I say is acceptance is facing the reality that you are what you are today. Carl Rogers says the curious paradox is that only when I accept myself as I am, then I can change, which sounds funny. That's why he says it's a paradox because if you accept yourself, why would you change? But it's one I, once I accept who I am and I love myself today, then I can make a difference. An analogy I use for this is sometimes people might think, okay, I don't want to be where I am right now. I hate who I am right now. I want to be something else, and that's going to push me. But it's kind of like if your car breaks down. Now, if your car breaks down, um, or let's say you lose your car key or something and you can't move your car and you need to move your car to somewhere else, you can say, well, I need my, I want my car to be over here. I hate where it is right now. Well, that doesn't do you any good. You can't just keep thinking about the destination of where you want it to go. You have to think of where you are today. Right now, my car is here, so I need the, co the tow truck to go to this place to then take my car to where I want it to be. And so that's the same thing we're doing with ourselves. I have to love and accept myself where I am today, even if I have goals and I want to go somewhere else, but I have to see where I am and face the reality of today first. That's the only way I can go somewhere else is to know where I'm starting from. If you have a map, a map is very good, but to come up with a route, you have to know where you're starting from to know the path to get to the end point. You can't just look at the end point and imagine yourself there. You have to start with where you are at. So when we think about loving and accepting ourselves or loving and accepting your children, this doesn't mean that you're saying you're perfect or nothing about you is bad and you never need to try to work on anything. It's saying that I love and accept you today. And especially this is true with children. 
because I work with parents of mine and say, well, how can I love him for getting F's in school? How can I love her for misbehaving so much? How can I love that? And it's not that you're loving the actions and saying those are good. And that's what sometimes people do. They think, well, if we go to the other extreme, then no one, uh, no one has done anything bad and we shouldn't judge anyone for anything. No, you don't judge the person, but you can look at their actions and evaluate their actions and say, you know what? This wasn't good. But when you love your child, even when they get F's, it's not that you're saying F's are great. I'm so proud of you for getting an F. That won't feel genuine to your child and feel good. But you're saying, I love you and I want to understand what's going on that has led to you getting F's. And I also want to know how you feel about them because I'm sure your kid won't feel good about them. And let's talk about how we can make it different or what you want to do to make it different. So when we talk about loving someone and even yourself, you can make a mistake. So you can say, how can I love myself? I made a mistake today. When we say that, it's not about forgive yourself as far as don't even say the action was wrong and say, who cares? Oh, you, you know, love yourself. It doesn't matter what you do. You're always right. No, you can say I made a mistake today. I could have done better today. But you can still love yourself even if you don't get it right. Just like you would hopefully love a child and say, okay, you made a mistake today. How do we learn from this? How do we grow? So loving ourselves doesn't mean that we keep no standards for ourselves. Love doesn't mean that we turn the blind eye to any wrongdoing or bad actions. And that is unfortunately what some parents do. I see that sometimes the parents think, well, because I love my kid, I'm never going to tell him or her they did something wrong. And not only that, I'm going to tell them that even if you hurt someone, whatever, who cares about that person? You did what you wanted to do. And so some parents think that by teaching my kid love, or if I want to teach my kid love, I have to tell my kid that they're better than other people, that you're above other people. So if you hurt someone, if you hurt the world, if you did a wrong thing, if you stole, cheated, whatever it is, doesn't matter. You're you. You can do whatever you want. And that's the type of parenting or the type of messages that does lead to, lead to people being entitled. If you tell people they're better than other people, that's not a good message. So when you teach your children about genuine love and loving themselves, it's not love yourself because you're better than the other kids or better than other people. It's that all people deserve love and you're a human being and you deserve love too. We love you and we want you to love yourself. And we also want you to love everyone else. That's what we're talking about when we say love. We're not saying love yourself because you're better than everyone else. You love yourself because you are like everyone else and everyone is worthy of love. And that's the message we want to give. So we don't want to get confused by this idea that loving your kids is going to either make them become um, complacent and feel that they don't have to work hard or make them feel entitled that they're better than other people. When you teach genuine love, kids feel like I'm worthy of love because of who I am. I don't have to become anyone else. I can be me and that's worthy of love. And I'm going to feel the same way about other people. But if we look at society, they don't feel either of those things for the most part. They judge themselves negatively that I shouldn't be this way, that these things are wrong with me, that I need to be someone else. And we do the same things to other people. You shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't act that way. You shouldn't love those people or be attracted to these people. You shouldn't have done this or that. We're so judgmental both to other people and to ourselves. And we know that for most things, the way we are with other people is the way we are with ourselves, or vice versa. The way we are with ourselves is how we are with other people. That's why if you see someone who's very critical with other people and points out all of their mistakes, even though you might not always see it, but very likely 
when they're with themselves, they'll beat themselves up for their own mistakes and their own wrongdoings. And so if we learn to love ourselves and accept ourselves as we are, that'll help us love and accept other people as they are too. And look at them not as something to be judged, but as something that we get to just be with and be around. I'm not going to judge you for being good or bad or say you're better than or worse than anyone else. And I'm not going to do that to myself either. Everyone deserves to be loved and respected for who they are. And everyone, hopefully, if they're loved and accepted or if they truly do love and accept themselves, will want to create the best life for themselves and the best version of themselves. And that's all we can do. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. I did want to announce the book again for next week. It is Divine Balance by Mitra Avari, and I'll be joined with the author on Monday's show next week. So you can call in and ask questions, but I'll be having her on the show. And this is a book of fiction. As I said, usually most of the books I've done are nonfiction, but every so often I try to do a book of fiction or literature, and I'm very happy to be joined by the author, not something I get to have all the time. So looking forward to having her on. And as, as always, um, please give me your book recommendations. This book that I did today, The Mask of Masculinity, was given to me. Um, and I was very happy to get to share that with you. So looking forward to getting your recommendations in the future. And uh, once again, if you're in the Atlanta area, August 10th and August 12th, I will be there Looking forward to seeing you there. All right, we've reached the end of tonight's show. Thank you to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulakwi. Have a wonderful night. <laughs>